This podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hello everyone and welcome to a special Wrestlemania 32 edition for the 35th episode of the Guilty Pleasures Podcast, the home of No Holds Barred Podcasting. Now on this podcast, we do not shy away from controversy. In fact, we attack it head on. We hit controversy with a springboard flying forearm smash, Ben. That is impressive and very apropos going into WrestleMania this Sunday. Yes, and certainly a mouthful. Um, I'm glad I did not mess that up. That was, that was, that was definitely the longest uh, move name that you've ever read on this podcast. That is for Dave Shore. Please, to our listeners, tweet us with some suggestions on, on moves that we can deliver to controversy because I think John's running out over there. Yes, I am. It's getting very <laughs> hard to define moves. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, John Demedio, a.k.a. Johnny D., and here with me is my esteemed co-host, the great Benjamin Wolfgang. Ben, how's everything going in your world, my man? Everything is going fantastic, John. Um, you know, of course, it's WrestleMania week, just a, a couple of days away now as we record this on Thursday night. So, uh, look, we've had plenty of negative things throughout 2016 and throughout 2015 to say about WWE, but I think if there's one thing about WrestleMania week, uh, it can certainly bring all of us together and at least to a small degree uh, put a sense of optimism and excitement in the air. So I'm going to try to not be the usual curmudgeon that I am on this show every single week and bash everything, John. We'll try and keep a positive attitude to at least some degree uh, to the extent that we can. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, <laughs> Which the- I'm sure will last about 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we were very angry last week, and, and I'm sure a little bit of that will carry over to this week, but... <laughs> You know, yes, there are a lot of problems with the WrestleMania 32 card, which we will, of course, get into in much detail coming up shortly. Um, But we have to remember that this is WrestleMania. It's more than just the matches on the card. It's the whole spectacle. And, you know, it's it's four or five hours if you include the pre-show stuff. And so, at least... So it's a whole lot of fun regardless. And, uh, you know, so like you said, hopefully you and I can kind of step back a little bit and take everything with a grain of salt and, and really enjoy this. It's pretty, you know, this is the Super Bowl of wrestling. Uh, so hopefully we can look at it in the eyes of a fan as opposed to, you know, two podcast hosts that detail wrestling every single week and usually rip the shit out of it exactly and of course as we've seen before in previous years there have been you know lackluster less than stellar wrestlemania cards i would argue last year was probably even one of them uh certainly wrestlemania 27 a few years ago and then you know the world does not end john the next day this train of course keeps right on rolling so as bad as this build has been and all the problems that we've detailed now for months and months on this show, and a lot of others have detailed, uh, this company will move forward, and I, you know, all of us will remain 
fans, I think, going forward on Monday when Raw begins, regardless of what happens on Sunday. So just a couple of general things to keep in mind here. Uh, that this, this might not be the apocalypse for professional wrestling uh, that maybe even we've led you to believe over the past few weeks. Yes, although from 11.30 Sunday night to about 8 o'clock on Monday night, it is going to seem like the apocalypse. It will feel like that, that's for sure. Absolutely, and there will be more social media interaction probably um, than there's ever been uh, for pro wrestling. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, of course, thank you for tuning in to this special edition of the Guilty Pledges podcast. We just mentioned a Twitter and that there are going to be tons of conversations happening during WrestleMania 32 and afterwards. We are, in fact, on Twitter at the GP Podcast. That's the GP Podcast. And we will be tweeting throughout the show, the pre show. We'll be tweeting afterwards. We'll be tweeting on Monday Night Raw. So feel free to interact with us, start some conversations with us. We're going to be on our computer the entire time. So this is a great chance uh, for all of our fans out there, you, the listeners, to interact with us. Tell us what you think about each match, and uh, let's get a good dialogue going. I mean, that's part of what makes this stuff a whole lot of fun. Right. We are right. also available on other mediums. You can email us by email, theguiltypleasurespodcast at gmail.com. We are available on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash thegppodcast, where we post different things from past episodes. We post the episodes themselves. Uh, we repost articles that different people put out there. Uh, so it's certainly a, a great thing to uh, look forward to and to uh, be on every once in a while or all the time. So please be sure to uh, subscribe to that. And of course, the episodes themselves are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So, Ben, we are pretty much all over the board here. We are, are on everything. So, this Sunday, the Super Bowl of Wrestling, be sure to interact with us on all of the mediums that we are on. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of that, as far as the, the tweeting and social media interaction during WrestleMania on Sunday, uh, stick around to the end of this episode for a special edition of Last Call Life Advice, where we give you some uh, some quality advice, John, on how and how not to handle social media during WrestleMania. So stick around for that, because, you know, us, us included, we can too often get kind of caught up and just lose sight of what's actually happening in terms of the event itself by being too focused on social media. So stick around, and we'll give you a little bit more on that later in the show. But, John, I think right now we need to get into a couple of big takeaways here from Monday Night Raw and sort of the week that was in WWE. We're recording this again on Thursday night, and we'll have a match-by-match breakdown with predictions of WrestleMania 32 coming up here in just a minute. Of course, we are referring to this as WrestleMania 32, as I think our most other uh, wrestling websites, wrestling journalists, are calling this WrestleMania 32. John, of course, that is not WWE's nomenclature. I don't know what the hell they're actually calling this, but they seem to have given up on the numbers. So, but we'll stick with the numbers here because that just makes some fucking sense to me. Yeah. Um, what is, what is up with that, Ben? 
I have no idea. I think that they determined that the Roman numeral system is not cool any longer, and so they tried to move on to something else. But uh, for me, it's just not working out. So I will stick with the numbers. But, John, our first big takeaway, and this comes 10 minutes after I said that I was going to try and keep a more positive, optimistic (laughs) attitude um, going into this episode and going into WrestleMania. But we have to start off talking about the Roman Reigns fiasco from Monday Night Raw this past week. Look, John, we have bashed this angle so often and said so many things about this that I'm kind of at a loss at this point for what's left to be said. But what strikes me, and in a way I actually kind of find it admirable, is their stubbornness in moving forward with this. I mean, they are just plowing ahead, full steam ahead with Roman Reigns and this babyface push going into WrestleMania. And the crowd in Brooklyn at Monday Night Raw, I know you and I were texting a lot during the show, and this was, uh, I believe this was trending on Twitter as well, uh, especially the You Still Suck chant at the end <laughs> toward Roman Reigns after he did the suicide dive over the top rope. Look, nothing is working, John, to get this guy over as a babyface. We talked about that at length last week. But I guess the question is, how do you think they did overall with the, the Roman Reigns Triple H segments here? Um, given what they had to work with, they weren't going to get this guy over as a baby face in one show. They weren't going to undo all the, the bad moves that they've made over the past 15 months with Roman Reigns. But you know, do you think they handled this as well as they possibly could have uh, given the circumstances? And what kind of reaction do you think uh, the iconic babyface Triple H is going to get uh, when he makes his entrance at WrestleMania 32 because, uh, once again, I think he comes across uh, more as the good guy here and Roman Reigns comes across as more of a dick. Yeah, I mean, this is a flat-out embarrassment. I mean, we, we've said it for weeks now, but th- this is really, really bad, and it's a terrible look for the WWE because the fact that they are getting their main storyline so wrong... Uh, It it just blows my mind. I mean, this is the thing that they should be putting the most attention on, the thing they should be focusing the most on, and putting the most resources into, and it's been awful. It's been absolutely awful in the way it's been handled, in the way it's been written. It's just been a complete disaster. Uh, In terms of this week, I thought that they didn't do anything that subtracted from where they were, I don't think they took any steps backwards, but they were already extremely far behind where they should be. Uh, but I don't think that this episode, past episode of Monday Night Raw you know, really made things a whole lot worse. Now, they tried a few things here, right? They had Triple H come out again and cut a promo trying to get as much heel heat on him as possible. Once again, that did not work. No. Uh, and, and it hasn't worked now for several weeks in a row. Exactly. And they have pulled every single rabbit out of the hat that they possibly can at this point. Triple H has said on the mic every possible heel thing that he could say. Every single possible one and nothing has worked. So it's a little embarrassing to me, Ben, that he keeps doing this and doing this and doing this and expecting a different result. Right. It, it just right. doesn't make sense to me. And does, does it come across to you, John, that it's they don't know what else to do, or he doesn't know how else to do? I mean, he's literally. It almost seems desperate to me at times. Just the the insults that he's pulling out to throw at the crowd. Like it's almost like they've gone to the well and there's nothing left there. So he's just you know basically resorting to to petty schoolyard insults at the people sitting in the audience who paid to come see the show. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There is nothing left. 
and, and there is nothing left that they can do. Uh, you know, it just seems to me that I don't know. It, they, it seems like they haven't thought outside the box at all it, it, to try to get Roman Reigns over within the last couple of months. Now, I understand it's an extremely daunting task because people hate him with all of their hate him with all of their being right now. But you know the the true and tired way of of trying to get heat on the heel and get Roman Reigns, you know, some some love. It, it's just not working. And it, at some point, I think you just have to say, okay, like we can't have Triple H come out here and cut another promo right. to try to get him over. Let's try something different now. They did try something a little bit different, Ben, at least something a little bit different with this feud. And we've seen Triple H and Roman Reigns get physical almost every week uh, with this build to WrestleMania. But they sort of had this Brock Lesnar-Undertaker exchange uh, like they had leading up to Hell in a Cell, I believe. A pull-apart, yeah, pull-apart brawl, basically. Right, where, you know, they were both interacting and both trying to get at each other and then superstars came out from the back to try to break them up basically to make it seem like these are these two titans that are going to clash and it takes the whole roster to separate them which is total bullshit and I think in a normal situation it might have worked a little bit but the fact that we just saw it um, less than a year ago in a very high profile feud when it was done better, it just made it look that much worse, and it looked very desperate, the word you used earlier, and I think desperate is just the perfect word to sum everything up right here with this Roman Reigns Triple H angle. Now, there is one cool thing that I thought Roman Reigns did when he jumped over the top rope, sort of like a Superman dive, onto about 10 wrestlers. I mean, look, that was extremely athletic. This guy is huge, and he flew over the rope like a cruiserweight. Yeah. So that was a very cool moment, I thought. I was very and, impressed and by that. the crowd kind of popped for it, but they turned on him 10 seconds later. Right, right. They, they said to themselves, oh my god, that was an amazing move, but wait, we still fucking hate Roman Reigns. Right, they were almost thinking out loud, it seemed to me, with the you still suck chant. They're it, like, oh, oh my god, that was fucking amazing. Well, wait, hang on a second, it's Roman Reigns. Right, exactly, right. exactly. So that's actually a pretty telltale sign that almost no matter what WWE tries to do, it's not going to work. Uh, but so overall, this interaction, this angle from Monday Night Raw, the go-home show going into WrestleMania, the show that is, to promote, is supposed to promote WrestleMania the most, get everyone the most excited as they possibly can, I thought it was okay. I, I, I think they at least tried some things, Ben. Uh, they thought outside the box at least a little bit, but you know there was nothing at all on this earth that either one of them could have done to save this, and it was just very apparent. You know, I think that's exactly what I was going to say, is that the fact that they, they're out of ideas here, and so I don't think that they're... I, I actually give them credit, to be honest with you, John, because I don't know what else they could have done with this situation to salvage it. I mean, as I said before, they're not going to undo 15 months of bad booking with Roman Reigns. They're not going to undo, what, a month or two of, or more than that, I guess, of, of pretty shitty handling of the Roman Reigns-Triple-H feud. 
in the course of one Monday Night Raw. So I think to expect a miracle on this episode was probably foolish uh, on the fans' part. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm excited or necessarily approve of exactly what they did. I thought it was kind of boring, to be honest with you. And the lack of heat for those segments, John, was just a pause. I mean, the heat that there, that there was was going in the wrong direction, as we talked about last week. More of that from the Brooklyn crowd. This week, you had Triple H getting massive babyface reactions. Roman Reigns getting booed out of the building. So that just confirms what we have been saying for weeks, that that's going to be the result that comes at WrestleMania 32, especially if Roman Reigns gets a clean win, as we expect him to. But look, this was, I hate to say this, this was what it was. Right. I just, I mean, it didn't really make me hate Roman Reigns any more than I already do. It didn't make this whole thing any better. It really honestly didn't even make it any worse. It was just kind of there. It existed. And that, to me, might actually be worse than anything else because to just have something exist to where somebody like me is just kind of indifferent toward it i think that's probably the worst reaction that you could possibly hope for right i mean absolutely at least a lot of the time i actively hate something so then i I have an emotional reaction i feel something toward or i love something and then you know i'm excited about it this i was just kind of indifferent about didn't really give a shit one way or the other and i feel like that's kind of where a lot of fans are at this point. We're just emotionally exhausted by this whole thing. Right. We booed Roman Reigns as a babyface now for over a year, and it doesn't matter. So I think like there's just kind of a collective throwing up of the hands at this point by a lot of fans. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing, John. I, I've resigned myself to what I know is going to happen on Sunday at WrestleMania. So as far as what we saw here in this episode of Raw, it just it gets a whatever for me. Right, and doing the same thing every single time, that leads to people being indifferent. Right. I mean, that that that's it. I mean, if you change things up once in a while, that gets people interested. But they've done the same thing every single week pretty much with the storyline so why all of a sudden do they think that that's you know at the switch or the flip of a switch that we're going to start caring uh you know just because it's a random episode of raw or a different week i mean it's not going to happen that way uh you know the fans are smarter now and fans watch a ton of the product now and if if you're going to do the same thing constantly we're going to get numb to it Right. It's very simple. And Ben, I just want to mention two really quick things before we move on. And I want to look at this from Roman Reigns' perspective very quickly. But man, it has to be taking a toll on Roman Reigns. Uh, I, think, to, John, to have, I, I think I can almost see it in his face, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it doesn't really look like he's totally into this right now because he's coming out. He knows he's going to get the shit boot out of him when he's not supposed to. And, I mean, this guy has just got to feel horrible. I mean, he's got he's got to hate coming to work. Uh, he's you know it's it it takes a toll on you. No matter what people say, when you have twenty thousand people like giving you tons of negative energy, you know, three four times a week with the schedule these guys are on, it's gonna have some sort of emotional or psychological impact on you. We have to remember that this guy's a human being. Right. So I, I do kind of feel bad for him. And, you know, the WWE better be careful because, you know, if he keeps feeling like shit and, and this stuff keeps happening to him, 
you know, he might start to sour towards the company and towards the business. Right. And, you know, you know, maybe he, not to this extent, of course, but maybe he pulls a CM Punk at some time and says, you know what, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't handle it because it's not fun anymore. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't go down that road because he is a good talent. He is a guy who's still one on the show. Um, but, you know, they are. They're... they're they're putting him in a horrible position, and I do feel bad for him, and it's totally unfair for him. Uh, do you have like a quick thought on that really quickly? I totally agree. I've been thinking that now for a few weeks, especially when I see him, that you know his smiles look forced. The looks on his faces when he's out there, you know, you can just tell that he's – it almost seems like he's just trying to get through it yes. a lot of the time. And, you know, just get out of there with, you know, as, as little damage as possible or, you know, have to endure as, as few boos as possible. Like, you're right. It doesn't seem like he's having a whole lot of fun. You can tell guys, you know, like like Dean Ambrose or John Cena or, you know, Kevin Owens who are out there having fun, you know, doing what they love, professional wrestling. You know, I know Roman Reigns loves professional wrestling too, but he's just been dealt a, a really shitty hand by WWE. And you're, you're absolutely right. I think the guy... He's not a robot. As you said, he's he's a human being with thoughts and feelings and emotions. So anybody that gets booed that much is going to take a toll on him. Now, the obvious way around that is to take that anger and frustration uh, and turn it into a heel turn and send it back right right. to the audience. But, you know, we talked uh, a million times about why apparently WWE uh, refuses to do that. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know what other solution there really is, but the emotional toll has got to be taking on Reigns. Um, you know, it's got to be extraordinary, I would think. Absolutely. And remember, I mean, these guys do a lot of prep before the shows, and more or less, they've been telling Roman Reigns they haven't been giving him as much airtime, so he has to notice that, that there's got to be a reason for that. Right. And they're shortening his promos. And so he obviously can't, sort of spin that in a positive. I mean, that that blatantly means that what he was doing before wasn't working, and that's basically them saying to him, look, you can't do well on the mic, and so we need to shorten your promos. I mean, that can't make him feel good, because I'm sure, like any top-level performer or athlete, he has to think that he is the best at everything he does. That's the mentality you have to have when you work at such a high level. And this has to be a huge shot to his ego um, to, to keep taking things away from him. Um, because you remember, you know, f- five, six months ago, he was the entire show, pretty much. Once Rollins went down, I mean, it was all Roman Reigns all the time. And if you look at it from then until right now, when they, on the go-home show to WrestleMania, Ben... There, Roman Reigns nor Triple H came out, I believe, until about 45 to 50 minutes into the show. Mm-hmm. And that is unbelievable, the fact that your World Heavyweight Championship match did not lead off the go-home show of Raw. It just shows what they think of him right now and, and how much damage control they're trying to do. No, absolutely. It, it was very telling the way that the show was laid out on Monday, in my opinion. You're right, not having that. And really, it hasn't been the focal point, really, of the show for weeks now. Yep. I mean, like they, I mean, he was hidden off of TV for a few weeks, as you mentioned. And since he's been back, it's been bit parts. Triple H wasn't even on the show at all last week, short of that backstage segment with the car that we talked about. And then this week, uh, you know, not really a whole lot either. What we did get was just kind of boring and bland. So, 
Yeah, I can't remember really, honestly, John, a, a world title build to a WrestleMania that's gotten less attention on Monday Night Raw than this one. I 100% agree, and and it's, you know, we've been asking for this for a long time, but you just have to hope that WWE can look at all of this and say, this isn't working, let's try something else, because you, sh you should be aggressive with these things. You, when you're writing these shows and, and when you're Vince McMahon, you should want to be aggressive with these guys and, and put them in situations where they can shine and, and maybe have them step up to the plate a little bit and, and see what they can do, see if they can raise the level of their games. And what they're doing right now with this World Heavyweight Championship feud is they're, they're micromanaging it and they are stifling uh, Roman Reigns a lot. And, you know, that's not good. That's not the way you want your performers um, to act and to perform, really. Right. So um, that's, that's really bad. And you know what? We'll get into this a little bit later when we make our official WrestleMania predictions for the main event. But, uh, oh boy, it could all come to a, a head this Sunday and be an ultimate disaster. But... Ben, let's move on here because this is the angle that opened the Go Home Show on Monday Night Raw. It's the Shane McMahon versus Undertaker match that's happening in a Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania 32. Uh, so Shane McMahon and The Undertaker both came out to open the show and there was some interaction, some aggressiveness on, on both parts, and the main thing was that Shane McMahon repeatedly hit The Undertaker with one of those small TVs that they have on the announcer's table, and he went to the top rope and he did his flying elbow to The Undertaker through the announcer's table, which I thought was absolutely unbelievable. Um, and then that was pretty much the end of the segment, Ben. The Undertaker did his patented thing where he sits up. Right. And then he um, put his thumb across his neck with his eyes rolled in the back of his head, pretty much saying to Shane, you're dead come Sunday. Uh, so let me ask you a question, Ben. With that being said, I mean, did that make you more interested in this match on Sunday? Uh, and really quickly, because... It's sort of been back and forth, back and forth. Of, of this, this storyline has been all over the place, and uh, you know it's very hard to see who is the baby face here and who is the heel, if that is even the case. Uh, but let me ask you, with that as well, I mean, does it really matter here if there is a baby face or a heel? Because I think we could have both agreed that they're both baby faces. Um, yes, as far as the babyface heel thing goes here, uh, I would say at this point they are both babyfaces. That, that's clear to me, and I think they both got you know pretty much a, a babyface reaction from the Brooklyn crowd. Absolutely. Monday Night Raw, yeah, they were, they were both getting cheered. As they have been every single week. Pretty For the most part, yeah, I think that's true. So, right, like I think we're going to have maybe a split crowd, um, which I don't know if is necessarily a good thing going into what potentially could be your closing match or main event. At WrestleMania, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they've kind of they put the fans in a very difficult spot. They put themselves in a very difficult spot with the booking uh, in terms of who wins this match because you don't want to have, I can't imagine, you want to have the Undertaker take a second loss at WrestleMania to a guy who hasn't wrestled in eight years. But you also don't want to tease the fans with the possibility of major changes 
to the show and then deliver nothing. So it's kind of a strange booking situation. In terms of this opening segment, did it make me more interested? It made me more interested in this sense, John. It, it reminded me of what Shane McMahon is willing to do mm-hmm. in a big spot. Um, you know, that when, you know, look, he had to deliver something here. Some of his promos have been a little bit weak, and we've criticized the way they've built this angle um, up over the past couple of weeks as well. So I think he knew that they needed to do something to get fans excited and remind them of what he's capable of doing when he gets out there in the ring. And so he did that with that elbow off the top rope through the table. Certainly, you know, it was vintage Shane McMahon reminded everyone of him, you know, falling off the Titan Tron or jumping off the top of you know, virtually everything, taking some of the nastiest, riskiest bumps that I've ever seen anybody take in professional wrestling. So in that respect, yes, Undertaker played his role well, did what he does with the sitting up, as you said. But other, so from the physical standpoint, in terms of what we're going to see in the match, and you know the elbow drop reminding me of that, it made me more excited. But storyline wise, it didn't. I didn't feel like the story really advanced at all here. I'm still not entirely clear on why Undertaker is just going along uh, with this whole thing. We haven't heard any mention of this blackmail lockbox that Shane has over Vince McMahon. That's just apparently been forgotten about. Um, So, like, there there are just so many holes in this storyline overall. And then the biggest thing to me, John, and maybe they can make up with this with some bells and whistles and a lot of crazy spots and maybe some blood and some weapons and all that good Mm -hmm. shit that we expect to see in a Hell in a Cell match. But, John, Shane McMahon can't throw a punch. Uh, let's just face facts right here. And watching him try and do these body blows and these jabs to probably the one of, if not the greatest puncher in the history of pro wrestling in The Undertaker, uh, it's tough for me to suspend my disbelief long enough to buy that. So that's kind of a problem. Now, in a Hell in a Cell match, can you get around that possibly? Maybe you can if Shane McMahon can use all these different weapons and what have you, use the cage as a weapon. And maybe just take an ass beating for 15 minutes before some kind of convoluted finish. But that's a little bit of an issue uh, for me. I just have a hard time buying it. I, I did buy Shane McMahon hitting him with the monitor and right. then jumping off the top rope. That's the kind of stuff that I think Shane McMahon's going to have to do if he wants to get believable offense in on The Undertaker. But, John, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, because we'll make our predictions uh, here a little bit later on for this match and for every other match on the WrestleMania card. But... How do you think overall, you know, including what we saw on Monday night, they've handled the build uh, for this match? Does this, I guess at this point, what I'm wondering is, does this match feel big enough to potentially close the show at WrestleMania? Because we're hearing mixed reports, uh, you know, reading uh, uh, some predictions on cage side seats right now, which is, you know, say that Triple H is going to face Roman Reigns in the closing match. But I've heard other reports that, that might not be the case and that The Undertaker versus Shane McMahon might actually be the last match. So what, just for the sake of argument, assume that this is the last match do you think at this point it's worthy of being there have they have they done enough to kind of sell you on the fact that this should be the match to close the show at the biggest pay-per-view in wwe history no they haven't but i i think i would be okay with it just by default because of how big of a disaster the roman reigns triple h match i think will be or could be if it is in fact ending the show so, you know, th- there have been a lot of holes in this storyline and in this buildup, but I think there are things that they have done that have really helped it. And I think they've done a good job in a lot of ways with it. I think uh, Shane McMahon has been electric. 
Yeah. Uh, he has gotten unbelievable pops when he has come out. I think they have done just the right amount of interactions between the two. I think they've done just the right amount of physicality uh, and, and promos. I think that in terms of that, they've handled it extremely well. They haven't oversaturated it and given us too much of them, but they've been present for most weeks, except, of course, for when we went to Raw, God fucking forbid. Of course. Uh, but, yeah, so I think overall they, they've done a pretty good job building this match up. Um, you know, we had talked about it before, you know, this, this, this black box that Shane has. I mean, that just got completely thrown away. It hasn't been mentioned at all uh, since the very beginning of this. And... You know, Vince coming out and making an announcement about this could be Taker's last WrestleMania, that kind of seemed just thrown together at the last second, and even the way it was announced was very anticlimactic. But overall, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I do need to say, though, that this segment that happened, man, this made me a lot more interested in the match. And here's the reason why. Because... I know that The Undertaker will dominate this match, and he will carry this match from start to finish. He will, because Shane McMahon is not a great technical wrestler uh, by any stretch, and he hasn't been in the ring for an extremely long period of time, Ben. So The Undertaker is going to control the pace. He's going to be the one doing the most moves, but... The major question I had was, and I believe you had as well, and I'm sure everyone in the WWE Universe had, was does Shane McMahon still have it in him to do these crazy spots right. and these big spots? And he showed me on Monday night that he does. Because that flying elbow through a table is fucking extremely impressive. Because you have to be very athletic, first of all, to jump that far. And then to be willing to take that type of bump, and especially on Monday Night Raw, I thought it was very telling. And now I truly believe, and I think everyone believes because we saw a taste of it, that we will get a couple incredible spots from Shane McMahon. And that is his purpose in this match, Ben. It's not to carry the match. It's not to grapple with The Undertaker and, and, things, and get him in headlocks. It's for Shane McMahon when called upon to do a few amazing spots and stunts, more or less, um, to add a lot of excitement to this match. So I think that reaffirmed to me that he can do that. So his role will be there. And we know The Undertaker uh, will play his role very well because the last Hell in a Cell match he was in, he did a fantastic job. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly very interested in this match, and especially because um, of, of the whatever outcome happens, there are a lot, a lot of ramifications for that outcome. And I'm very interested in that because I want Shane McMahon to control Raw because any change is good change. And I want The Undertaker to win also because... You know, I don't want this to be his last WrestleMania, and it's the fucking Undertaker. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very interested. Uh, really quickly, I don't think for this match it matters if there is a babyface or a heel. I've kind of changed my tune a little bit on this, but I think that both guys are so over, and the fact that this is in a hell in a cell, and, you know, it, 
Shane McMahon's going to do some amazing spots and The Undertaker is going to be good. I just don't, I think the fans are going to be emotionally invested no matter what. I don't think you needed your typical heel face dynamic to get people interested. And I think you do most times, but not in a match like this. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested and I'm really excited to see what happens in this match. And I do believe that this should go on last just because no matter what the WWE decides to do with the Triple H and Roman Reigns match, if this match goes on last, it's going to leave everyone with a great feeling. And everyone's going to leave the show relatively satisfied by that last match. And most people remember a show by the last match as opposed to the second to last match. Right. So I think WWE would be making the right decision to put this on last. And it would take a little bit of pressure off of Roman Reigns and Triple H to deliver. I think that's probably true. And just briefly here, John, before I move us on, I want to just mention one other thing. And I've told this to you several times. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the air. But I found it curious that Triple H has never addressed this angle one time. Uh, that right. I can think of on air, even the fact that he would be out of a job, of course, if Shane McMahon were to win. So that creates a little bit of an interesting scenario in terms of how the card is put together as well. Because if you do have Triple H and Roman Reigns go on last, and you had Shane McMahon beat The Undertaker, then you're going to have Triple H come out uh, as the world champion, but he's out of a job, essentially, running Monday Night Raw. So then I don't know how, you know, he would obviously be, have to be in a pretty bad mood or sell that uh, in some way, shape, or form. The fact that he had essentially just been fired uh, and had the control of the company ripped right out from under him before the biggest match of his life. So that, to me, actually is kind of an interesting subplot to this whole thing that they have not exploited at all. So I, I find that interesting, and I wonder if that might play a small role uh, in how they set up the match call on the right. Sunday. Right, and that would have been really cool to, to have at least one segment with Triple H and Shane where they say, you know, if Shane McMahon wins and he has control of Raw, but Triple H retains. Right, and what he, happens? And, right, what and happens? he is the World Heavyweight Champion. That, I thought that would have been a really cool dynamic, and maybe that's that ends up what happens. Right. I mean, and, and that would be really interesting because then you'd have, you know, the former CEO who's your world heavyweight champion and now your new um, guy who's in charge of Raw with, with a champion that he doesn't like. Uh, I think that would be an interesting route to go. You know, we'll see if they do that. Right. There are some common threads, you know, in some of these angles that just for whatever reason, they, they just have tried to keep everything very separated in its own neat little box. Um, I think that kind of in retrospect, and that's something I honestly hadn't really thought about much until this week, but I think in retrospect, that might have been a mistake. I think there would have been a way to kind of bring these two storylines, these two matches together a little bit right. more. And, because and really it, quick, Ben, sorry not to interrupt you, but, and it also would have helped with the Triple H Roman Reigns buildup because it would have broken things up there. Mm -hmm. And, and th that it would have helped that even more because we wouldn't have gotten the monotonous same uh, thing week to week, promo, promo, a little bit of interaction. It would have broken things up. And so I think it would have helped everything overall. Right, right. Yeah, I, there are, there's some fantasy booking here, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, if you will, for the WWE looking back now and things they could have done. That's, that's for damn sure. John, we're just about ready to move into a WrestleMania 
predictions here, but I do want to touch on one last thing yes. before we do, and that was a, a very important development, We think, uh, at least we think so here in the Guilty Pleasures podcast, in WWE this week. WWE has announced, as we have long urged, and as many have, uh, they're scrapping the Divas division, John. They're going to get a new championship belt. Yes, this was a second for a round of applause here for everybody. Scrapping the, uh, the Divas division, getting a new championship belt, hopefully not the Pink Eagle or whatever the fuck it is that they have right now, one of the most god-awful belts I've ever seen. I do have a spoiler, Ben. It is going to be a belt that looks similar to the World Heavyweight Championship belt, except that it's a little bit smaller and it's going to be white. It's great. I have not seen a, a photo of that. We'll tweet out a photo to anyone who has not seen that. Uh, but that sounds great to me. Perfect. What they have now. Perfect. But look, this is the right move, John. I mean, it's as simple as that. The women's division is what this should have been called years ago. The term diva to me just sounded, it's it sounds so 2000 to me. So 2000. It's like the boy band era. You know, essentially, mm-hmm, yes. like the term diva just reminds me of Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys, sort of like the the you know, the MTV sort of you know era back then. Total Request Live with Carson Daly. That's when diva was around. It was sort of coined largely by WWE in the late '90s and early 2000s. You know, with the divas, with Trish Stratus, etc. But to say that diva is a little bit passe uh, is the understatement of the year. And WWE, as it often is, is a little bit slow to catch up with other social trends. I think they, you know, they tried the divas revolution, you know, treat women equally, give them as much time, put them in the spotlight, you know, recognize that they can just be, they can be as successful, as athletic, as talented, both in the ring and on the mic as men. But you keep calling them by this term uh, that just by its very nature kind of demeans them and to me at least just conjures up ideas basically of eye candy and you know women in bikinis you know nice makeup beautiful blonde hair not somebody who can kick your ass in the ring so the whole thing as a lot of people our good friend uh you know jim ross has been calling from this for a long long time a lot of others have as well uh this is a good idea but john what i'm wondering about is what does it actually mean is this a change in name only or do you think this actually will carry some ramifications for the Divas division. In other words, do you think it will just have a little bit more of an, an air of seriousness about it? Will Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, the other female performers be taken a little bit more seriously by the announcers and by others? Uh, is this just a, a change for change's sake, or do you think there's something more here? Yeah, I think it's a change for change's sake. Mm. I, I don't think it, it will mean a whole lot. I think it's just another PR move on WWE's part because of the backlash that they have received, and of course most of it from the Guilty Pleasures podcast, about the fact that they are still using the term diva and they have a pink butterfly on their championship belt. And, you know, I want to say, you know, when I hear the word diva, Ben, this is what I think of. I think of a woman that's high maintenance. Mm. I think of a woman who's shallow and, and just, it's just about her looks and she's got nothing upstairs. Those, when, when someone's called a diva, that's what I think of. And that's exactly how you should not be portraying your women. Uh, because obviously these women have so much more to offer than that. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You know, in the late nineties when, um, you know, they just, put their women out in the ring in bikinis at like Sable and, and people like that. Yeah. Maybe they should have been called divas because you know, that's what they were there for just for their looks uh, and, and nothing else pretty much. But 
the performer of 2016 is much more than that. And yeah. I'd say looks right now matter the least amount out of maybe the history or at least the last 20 years of pro wrestling. Looks do not matter right now for the most part. And uh, that's, a, that's great, man. That's fantastic social progress. And I, I think that has a lot to do with us, the fans, uh, and, and not caring anymore about looks and caring more about their performance and their talent and, and their in-ring ability, which, which is fantastic. But yeah, man, get the word diva the fuck out of there. It, it, it's, man, it's a negative term. And it, it man, it's degrading to women. Absolutely degrading. And it should be co completely removed. This is way too late. I mean, they should have done this years, years ago. ago. Absolutely. But hey, at least they're doing it now. So let's give them a little bit of credit for that. They are, in fact, uh, unveiling this news on Monday night, uh, the Raw after WrestleMania. They will be uh, telling us all about this. So we will find out more information then. And then uh, on next week's podcast, we can elaborate a little bit more. But for what we know now, know now uh, this is a fantastic move. And there's absolutely no downside, Ben. But I don't think it really means much for the women's division in general. I think it's just more of a PR move and just simply dropping a name. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, and, you know, just because the PR move doesn't necessarily make it wrong. Uh, it might be long overdue, but it is the right move. On WWE's part, for sure. I will say one thing just briefly before we move on here. Um, while I 100% agree with doing this and think it should have been done long ago, as you do, I do think it could have been used as part of a storyline in some way, shape, or mm -hmm. form. That maybe Sasha Banks or Becky Lynch, or even you know, going back to last summer when they were all called up, or, or maybe coming out of WrestleMania. You know, whoever the champion is, we think it's it's probably not going to be Charlotte any longer. So whoever the new champion is declared the Divas division dead, uh, you know, wanted a new championship belt, you know, whatever, whatever story you want to come up with. But I think there was probably a way to kind of officially bury this in, in kayfabe terms, essentially, you know, on television right. for the women's division instead of just like, once again, because God knows what I don't want to see is Stephanie McMahon come out <laughs> and tell me that, you know, she's decided that Diva is offensive. Right. And so because she's at the cutting edge, of women's rights and the equality movement <laughs> in America that she's going to tell us now that because she's such a great human being, she's going to rename it the women's division. That's what I do not want to see right. happen on Monday night coming out of WrestleMania. And I'm a little bit afraid that WWE might just you know go the PR route and kind of pat themselves on the back a little too much with this move, even though they're, what, five to ten years uh, too late in doing it. So I wish that it had been handled uh, – I wish it had been an angle in some way, shape, or form. How exactly you get there, there, there are a number of different ways you could have gotten there. But I think it would have been better served in the long run if it had died officially as part of a story instead of just uh, dying in a press release. Yeah, if Stephanie McMahon comes out on Monday night and announces this, we are going to bash the shit out of that on next week's podcast, uh, because that would be absolutely horrific. And we bashed the shit out of Stephanie doing that for the quote unquote divas revolution. Right. We thought that was absolutely the worst way possible to debut these, these, uh, women superstars. And, uh, hopefully they don't go this route again. But Ben, I do want to say really quickly before we move on that, look, they still have a chance to put this into a storyline. This this is, this is not something that's been like I don't I don't believe this is something that's been officially announced on the WWE website or anything like that. This is something that's been reported 
um, sort of off the beaten path here. And look, I mean, maybe Usher Banks wins or maybe Becky Lynch wins, and which I think you and I believe that the title will change. We'll get into that in a second. And if it does, you're right. Maybe Sasha Banks, let's say, for example, comes out to the ring. There is a podium with something on top of it that's covered. She cuts a promo and then unveils a new belt. Kind of like what The Rock did when he won the title, I believe, back in 2012. Right. Uh, he changed it. I think it was from that spinny um, title that John Cena used to have to a more uh, corporate, you know, the professional belt. And uh, I could see potentially one of those uh, women doing that uh, on Monday night. So hopefully that is the route they go. I'm even okay with them just announcing it without a storyline. But the worst thing they can do, like you said, would be have Stephanie coming out and taking all the credit for it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, if they haven't thought of this already and somebody with WWE is listening to this fantastic podcast, by all means, you can have this idea for free. Make this a storyline because it's the right move in the long run for sure. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the segment you have all been waiting for. We are super excited to do it. These are our WrestleMania 32 match-by-match predictions and preview. We will break down each match, tell you what we love about it, tell you what we fucking hate about it, and then give our predictions for who will come out on top. Uh, Some of them are pretty obvious, Ben. Some of them are a complete toss-up. So let's hop right in here. And the first one is a little bit outside the box, Ben, but... We have been hearing for weeks now, the WWE has been doing uh, these video packages and these vignettes with The Rock, and the fact that he is going to make an appearance in some form or fashion at WrestleMania 32. Now, there's been a lot of talk about what his role might be at WrestleMania 32. We remember last year he came out. He interacted and had an altercation with Triple H. He called Ronda Rousey out from the crowd. Right. Uh, they had a, Rousey and she, uh, excuse me, and uh, Stephen McMahon had an interaction. Um, it, it was quite interesting, quite entertaining. Uh, the Rock, hey man, wherever he is, whenever he speaks, whenever he shows up, electricity flows throughout the building. It's automatic excitement. So. Ben, we have not really heard anything about what The Rock's role might be here. Uh, what do you think he's going to be doing at WrestleMania 32? And uh, do you think it's going to have a major impact on the show? I can't imagine it having a major impact, to be honest with you. I I don't know exactly, but if I had to make a, a prediction right now as we're doing, it's to me has to have something to do with the Roman Reigns-Triple H match, whether okay. or not he's going to be in Roman Reigns' corner or whether or not he makes some sort of a surprise appearance to, you know, fight off Vince McMahon or, you know, the authorities' goons to help Roman Reigns or whatever the case may be. That seems like the safe way to go, and WWE has been playing it pretty safe um, as of late, particularly with this angle. So the one question I would have about that before I kick it to you is they've kind of tried that once before, and that was at last year's Royal Rumble where they had The Rock sort of try and give the rub to Roman Reigns, and it totally did not work. Right. So I, I do question whether or not, well, I don't think it would be wise to try and do it again, but I, I'm struggling to find a, another place for The Rock to really fit 
here. Um, I mean, short of just coming out and cutting a promo, you know, as he did back at WrestleMania 30 with, with Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. I mean, unless he just does something like that, if he's actually going to get involved in the action uh, in some way, shape, or form, he, of course, has the, you know, the, the leftover you know, quasi-mini angle from last year's WrestleMania with Stephanie and Triple H, so it wouldn't surprise me to see him get involved there. If I had to put money on it, I would say he gets involved in some capacity uh, in that Triple H-Roman Reigns match, John. Wow, okay, so you really have him making a legitimate impact here in one of the two uh, main events of the I, I show. I think that he will to some degree. Yeah. Okay. I, I, think, I think the fact that he's come out before and given his stamp of approval to Roman Reigns, so if he's on this show and Roman Reigns looks like he might be getting screwed somehow by the authority, I would imagine The Rock will make an appearance in, in that fashion. Okay, I, I think... See, I don't think that will happen because I think the WWE will say to themselves, we already had The Rock do that with Roman Reigns, and it was right. a complete disaster. And I don't think the WWE wants to completely waste his appearance at WrestleMania 32. And if he does align himself with Reigns or something like that, it potentially could be a huge waste if he does not swing the crowd in Reigns' favor. So, to me, I think that, well, one, I don't think he's going to wrestle. So, I mean, I, I think that's pretty obvious at this point. But... I don't see him having a big impact. I think that maybe he'll have an altercation with a random heel on the roster. Mm. Uh, maybe someone that's not really doing anything at WrestleMania or is not in a main event. Uh, he might do something a little comical. And I think we will definitely, however, see a rock bottom and a people's elbow. So I think he'll come out. Maybe a heel will interrupt him. He'll have some sort of confrontation you know, he'll get a big pop, he'll do his moves that everyone loves, and then um, I think he'll sort of leave and, and exit at the stage in the building. So yeah. I don't see him having a big impact. I think this is more of the WWE um, trying to milk as much as they can uh, one of their biggest names in the history of the company just Absolutely. to get more pay-per-view buys. Because, Ben, I think if he was going to have a major, major impact – they would have teased it a little bit more. They haven't done any of that so far. So for me, I don't think he will have a, a big impact on the show overall, but I, I do think he will have some sort of confrontation with somebody and will deliver at people's elbow uh, 100%. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll also be curious here, you know, just to see, because WrestleMania, of course, is in Texas, if either Shawn Michaels or Steve Austin are there as well and in what capacity they have. Of course, Shawn Michaels got involved last year in the Sting Triple H match. So I'm curious to see if either of those native sons of Texas make an appearance yeah, it, it at this event as well. It sounds like they're trying to bring every big name they can in. So I would actually be stunned if we didn't sh see Shawn Michaels or Stone Cold or somebody like that. I think they're going to try to have as many legends and big names as possible uh, have a role in the show, even if it is something like WrestleMania 30 where they came out and introduced it uh, to, to get big pops from the crowd and get them excited. I think that's possible as well at the beginning of the show because as we're going to get into in a second when you introduce this, there are a few matches on the pre-show and they all are pretty boring yeah. and, and have no impact really at all and, and have no storylines really. So 
I think that the crowd from that pre-show is going to be pretty dead. You right. might have to bring some of these all-time greats out after that to kind of get the crowd going again, because um, I think that might be a problem. Uh, the crowd might get burned out from these bad matches uh, before even the show actually starts. I think that's exactly right. So with that being said, John, uh, let's move into the pre-show. We're going to roll through all three pre-show matches here just very briefly, because as John said, they're, they're very inconsequential, with the exception of the Battle Royal. I think. I mean, that certainly has a little bit of cachet at this point. Um, it's mostly a job or battle royal, as we all know. Um, but, you know, hey, look, I mean, you get a big trophy, and, you know, at least they've tried to a, a small degree to give guys a little bit of a push coming out of the Royal Rumble or out of the uh, Battle Royal, excuse me. So there's that. But, John, let's start with this. We'll, we'll save that for last. The Dudley Boys versus the Usos. Uh, I like the Dudley Boys as heels, but the Usos suck. At this point, uh, they are just as stale as can be right now. I'm not sure what you do with them. But this storyline has been, eh, it's kind of been whatever. I've sort of liked the Dudley Boys a little bit more as kind of Triple H's backup as they were on Monday Night Raw this past week. I think they're kind of served to be a little bit more elevated on the card uh, than being in a meaningless feud with the Usos. But having said that, uh, this, I would imagine, would be what kicks off the pre-show, uh, this tag team match between arguably the greatest tag team of all time uh, and one of the most boring tag teams of all time uh, in the Usos. So, John, um, I'm taking the Usos here only because the Dudley boys have done nothing but put people over since they've come back to WWE. I don't see any reason for that to change here. And if this does, in fact, open the show as I expected it will, I would imagine you want to make the fans happy right off the bat. The kids like the Usos, so the Usos get the win over the Dudleys here. I'm going to agree with you as well. I think the Usos go over here. Uh, I could not give two shits about this match. The WWE has done a very poor job building this up. Yes. They had these two teams interact with each other and, and have some confrontations a while back. And then they kind of went away from it for a little while and made fans forget that they were even feuding. And then they started feuding again a few weeks prior to WrestleMania. And, you know, I think WWE expected fans to pick up uh, right where they left off before, but we haven't because it was so inconsequential, as you said, we didn't really even remember that. Right. So um, I think they've done a very poor job with this. They obviously couldn't could care less about this match. So, of course, we are going to care less, couldn't care less about this match. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the Dudleys are better as heels. I think we can both agree on that. Um, but they don't seem to matter anymore. I think it's right. very clear the WWE is not going to have them in major tag team feuds and programs. And look, man, the Usos are just flat out lame. They are as lame as, as lame can get. They have three moves that they do. Uh, they haven't altered their characters at all over the last three or four years. I think people are getting extremely bored with them. Uh, and, you know, they, they just haven't done anything impactful recently. I think they need to be repackaged in a way a little bit. Uh, but I agree with you. They're going to want to start um, with the crowd, you know, being happy and, um, and having a face go over. So for that reason only, I'm going to take the Usos. Absolutely. So the next match in the pre-show, I would imagine, will be this, uh, talk about a clusterfuck here, John, a 10-woman uh, tag match here on the pre-show. This is Natalia, Paige, Brie Bella, Alicia Fox, Eva Marie against Lana, Naomi, Tamina, Summer Rae, and Emma. That's right. Eva Marie is here along with Emma 
uh, and Summer Rae, and the, I believe the in-ring debut of Lana yes. uh, in this match as well. So this is a complete cluster. This is the very definition of sticking 10 people uh, who you do not know what to do with into one match to get them all on the card. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't even realize Paige was back until I saw her in that backstage segment on Raw this past week. I don't know what the hell is going on there. I, I have no idea why she all of a sudden is, is okay uh, with Brie Bella and Alicia Fox. The alignments here make no sense whatsoever. Team Bad and Blonde, mm-hmm. uh, that's a fucking joke yep. to me. This is just a complete embarrassment and a humiliation for everyone involved. And, I, and God knows, I hope Charlotte Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks uh, can save the women's division after this abomination of a 10-woman tag match. This is going to be terrible uh, in terms of in-ring quality, and it's even worse, John, in terms of storyline development over the past couple weeks leading in. So however little you cared about the Dudley Boys versus the Usos, I care about that match infinitely more than I care about this one. That's for damn sure. Having said that, I like Team Bad and Blonde here because I don't think Lana is going to lose in her first match out there. Maybe she will. Maybe I'm wrong. There are rumors that she's got some heat on her, so maybe she takes the pin uh, in this match from Eva Marie. But I'm going to go with Team Bad and Blonde here. Only, I mean, I don't really couldn't give a shit less one way or the other, to be honest with you. But uh, flip of a coin, that's who I'm picking. Okay. Uh, I have a few things to say here, Ben, very quickly. One, my God, uh, Paige and Natalia deserve so much yeah. better than this. I, I feel very badly for them. I mean, they're just Naomi, getting... Naomi does as well. She Naomi does. Yeah. She does. I mean, she just, she's seriously lacking something. Like, she, she does not have star qualities but she is good in the ring, and she does deserve better than this. I agree. But Paige and Natalia are top-tier performers, and they deserve, of course, to be highlighted, not uh, stifled in this match. Um, I am interested a little bit in Lana's debut. I want to see if she can actually do anything in the ring, um, or if they're going to just protect her and not really have her do much in the match, maybe just a couple spots here and there. Uh And then one other thing, Ben, that I want to attack here is that Eva Marie is in this match. And last week when she debuted again on the main roster, that was an absolute embarrassment. And I read that the WWE was disappointed with the reaction she got from the fans when she came out. And my question is, what the fuck did you expect, WWE? First of all, everyone hates Eva Marie. You already knew that. And her entire time that she's been in NXT, she's been a heel. And she's actually gotten a good amount of airtime recently on NXT as a heel, pairing with Nia Jax. So you can't have someone be a hated heel in NXT and then out of nowhere bring her back to the main roster and all of a sudden expect her to get a huge pop. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And I I mean, when I read that, I was stunned and appalled and it it was, it was embarrassing. It was, it was embarrassing for the WWE. It just shows how out of touch they are at at times with, with the reactions that they think their performers are going to get. Um, Those are the only things that I give a shit about. Um, So I'll just get right to my prediction. I think the faces are going to win here. The Mm. team with... Paige and Natalia, uh, just because this match 
it's inconsequential as we keep using that word. Uh, it doesn't matter. And just like the Dudley Boys-Usos matchup, I think you want to have the faces go over here just to get the crowd into it. So um, I'll take that team. Uh, so we're off to a very uh, auspicious start here at WrestleMania <laughs> with those two matches on the pre-show. That's for damn sure. But here's one that I'm actually a little bit interested in, even though I'm still pissed off about the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal last year and the fact that my boy Damian Sandow did not win when he damn well should have. Apparently he's going to be in the match again this year, and it might be the first time we've seen him since then, at least that I can remember, John. Right. So God knows the pink trunks and Damian Sandow apparently are going to be a part of this battle royal, as will every other jobber on the roster that you can think of, in addition to some guys like the Big Show and Kane, and we presume uh, at least uh, you know Eric Rowan, Luke Harper, and Braun Strowman. I'm not sure about Bray Wyatt. Uh, but you know they're going to have a, a few people in here who presumably could win this match. There are rumors that Cesaro might be making a return, possibly at WrestleMania. I could see him being a surprise entrant maybe uh, into this match, which would be amazing. But look, I'm going to go with Chalk here. On this one, John, and that's Braun Strowman. Okay, uh, he's been penciled in to win this for a long, long time. And I know there are rumors floating out there uh, over the past day or two that maybe Vince McMahon and some others on top of WWE are souring on Braun Strowman, uh, which is perfectly understandable after the abomination that we saw yep. in the Braun Strowman versus Dean Ambrose match in Philadelphia, which we witnessed live, uh, and it was worse live than it was on television. Once again, believe me. Once again, not his fault. No, not his fault at all. He was put in a terrible spot. This guy should be in NXT right now. That's just the bottom line. No disrespect to him, but he needs to learn his craft. He can't wrestle right now. And I think everybody kind of realizes that. And maybe WWE is slowly realizing that as well. But for right now, I think Vince McMahon's stubbornness and their obsession with big, scary-looking dudes uh, is going to win out here. And also because, sure, if Cesaro's surprise return... I don't really know who else you necessarily would have win this. I can't imagine the Big Show wins it two years in a row. So I think Braun Strowman is really the only choice to win this thing. I'm going to pick him to win uh, the third Andre the Giant Battle Royal. That's a good prediction, Ben. Uh, I don't think a past winner is going to win again. I think right. that's going against Cesaro if he does return. And I don't think you should have Cesaro return if he's not going to win it. I, I think that'd be wasting his return. I think maybe you should save it for the next night on Raw where the crowd's going to be really hot, then have him come back. Uh, but once again, man, I don't give a shit about the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And there are many reasons why, but to me, the main one, Ben, is that there is nothing on the line. I mean, yes, you get a nice trophy if you win, but who really gives a shit? We're not getting the trophy as fans. Right. And, you know, there's a simple fix here. And I'm not saying it's, it should be exactly this, but if you had maybe the winner um, get an intercontinental title shot the next right. night on Raw or, or a United States championship title shot the next night on Raw or even if you wanted to have them get a world heavyweight championship match the next night on Raw – do something like that, um, make it seem a little bit more important, get people more invested in this. Um, but until they do that, I am really never going to care about this match. And I think they should do away with it at some point. Maybe bring back Money in the Bank 
and put it in this spot and and take away the money in the bank, um, you know, pay per view, the gimmick oh, pay per view. I'm totally in favor of getting rid of all those gimmick pay per views as we've discussed on this show. Absolutely, and it would add something to WrestleMania, but that's right. another topic for another time. Uh, look, there are 16 of the 20 spots that have been filled so far. Four of the spots haven't been filled. I think we can assume that three of those are probably going to go to the remaining members of the Wyatt family that are not hurt, a.k.a. Right. Luke Harper. Uh, look, if the Wyatt family gets involved in this match, I am going to agree with you. I am going to say that Braun Strowman wins. Uh, but if we are picking from the superstars that are currently in this match officially, I'm going to go with Kane. Because he's been highlighted the most over the past couple weeks when they've been doing whatever build they're trying to do for this match. And it's been him and the Big Show, more or less, have been the main two guys. And the Big Show just won last year. So they're not going to have the Big Show go back to back. If the Wyatt family is not involved in this match, book it. Kane is going to win. But if they do get involved, I'm going with Braun Strowman as well. I will say this: the Kane thing is interesting because they've shown last year with the with the Big Show win that they kind of view this as, as almost like a lifetime achievement award for giants in the business. Right. So I can sort of see that if if they don't want to go with Braun Strowman for whatever reason, or if he ends up not being in the match, Kane would probably be my next choice. Fair enough. Ben, moving on here to the actual show, to the matches that people actually give a shit about. The first one we're going to tackle here is for the Tag Team Championships. And that is the League of Nations versus the New Day. The New Day being the current Tag Team Champions. Now, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is going to be a four-on-three match, correct? Correct. Now, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this, where you have four superstars versus three superstars for two Tag Team title belts. I think this is very interesting. I, I, I was shocked when I heard that this is the format that they're using, uh, especially to put the New Day in a handicap match. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but nonetheless, this is certainly more exciting than any of the first three matches that we were talking about. Uh, I'll take this one really quickly, Ben. I think the, the League of Nations seems to be getting the upper hand on the New Day for the last few weeks uh, leading up to this match. Uh, even if one member of the New Day wins, they've had singles matches where uh, I believe all of them have fought in singles matches against a, the, a member of the other team, which we could argue has hurt the build for this match. Agreed. But uh, the League of Nations have gotten the upper hand because most of the time they've ended up you know, beating up the New Day after the match was over and, and sort of standing over them and, and reigning supreme. So in typical WWE fashion, when one faction dominates, usually they go the other way. And for that reason, I'm going to take the New Day to retain here. Uh, the New Day are just so entertaining. They need to be highlighted constantly. And the New Day have become babyfaces. And they are playing the babyface underdog role here, which they've never played before. They are actually the underdogs because of the format of the match. And WrestleMania, Vince McMahon loves to have the underdogs and the fan favorites win. So for that reason, I'm taking the New Day here, Ben. 
You know, I'm going to take the New Day here as well in this match. I am... I'm somewhat interested in this match, I will say. I think they've done, you know, a fairly good job in getting this feud over. You know, they've had some good, uh, you know, sometimes groan-inducing, you know, back and forth on the mic between these two sides. But, I mean, they've at least been trying to give them some airtime to get it over. And they've had a couple of good brawling segments, a good beatdown uh, by the League of Nations over the New Day recently. So, overall, I won't nitpick this one too much. I hate the fucking League of Nations, as we've talked about, mostly because of Sheamus. I actually like the other three members of this faction quite a bit. Uh, but Sheamus, to me, is just such a joke. And the fact that the fact that Sheamus was world champion, John, three months ago is mind-boggling. It really is. Me. And now he's going to be in a four-on-three match to open, or presumably open, uh, WrestleMania. So that's that's just unbelievable to me. And, and hopefully WWE has come with their senses Yeah, and that it, guy. And it's a testament to the lack of talent that they had available towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year. And the a testament to the fact that they haven't paid any attention to building up their younger stars. The fact right. that they actually had to put the title on Sheamus because they thought that he was the best heel at the time to have the title. And that is absolutely unbelievable to think about uh, when you think about this roster when it's fully healthy. Um, yeah, okay. So it just shows all the injuries that have happened that are unfortunate but it also shows the lack of depth that the WWE currently has and the huge mistake they've made of not building up these younger guys in the process. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I, you know, as, as kind of lame as I think this angle has been and this match potentially could be, I think it's where Sheamus belongs. No disrespect to him, but I think it's where he belongs um, on the card. So, uh, you know, for that reason, I think this match is, you know, it is what it is. I like the New Day here to go over because they're, they are hot. The, it's right to keep the tag belts on them right now. They're getting over as baby faces, and if you're going to take the belt, I'm, I'm you know open minded to taking the belts off the new day, John, but uh, not to the League of Nations. That's for damn sure, uh, you know. And then I, I guess what you know, any two members of the, of the four member League of Nations could defend the titles at any time. I, I just don't see that happening. To me, if you're trying to make the fans happy here, WrestleMania 32, a new day loss would definitely not accomplish that. So I like the New Day here to go over, retain the tag belts, and keep them until Enzo and Cass get called up from NXT, which hopefully will happen on the Monday following WrestleMania. Absolutely. And and really quickly, before you move us on, I do think the New Day should lose the belts relatively soon. We are getting close to the danger zone, potentially, of them getting oversaturated and, and seeing too much of them. They have done an unbelievable job of being entertaining uh, when appearing on Raw and sometimes Raw and SmackDown every single week and cutting very long promos. They deserve a ton of credit, but I think that taking the belts off of them in the near future wouldn't be the worst thing. Kind of give them a little bit of time where you're not putting all this pressure on them to carry the division and then bring them back and put them back on top again maybe a few months after. But I, I think you know they're risking things becoming stale by relying on them too much, which the WWE seems to do all the time, a la John Cena, a la Roman Reigns before. Uh, so hopefully they can learn their lesson, and this is just my opinion, but I do think that uh, another tag team should be the champs uh, you know, sooner rather than later. I totally, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Enzo and Cass are still the best uh, 
option there to me. John, moving on, we do have another championship match here on this card. Several more. It's actually got a number of championship matches here, which is good to see. At least every belt's being defended on this card, WrestleMania 32. Uh, we've got some problems with this one, though. We've talked about this at length last week, so we don't have to rehash all of this now. But Callisto will defend the U.S. title versus Ryback in a one-on-one -on -one match at WrestleMania 32. Ryback getting his own highlighted match for the U.S. title at WrestleMania 32. That, I think, is also an embarrassment. Uh, and this match, this has no business being a one-on-one -on -one match, as we detailed at length yes. last week. Uh, I won't regurgitate all of that for you here again. But, you know, I feel like there's a running theme here so far, and that is, for the most part, with, with the possible exception of the Battle Royal, um, I'm seeing a lot of WWE wanting to make the fans happy with a lot of these uh, you know, predictions that I'm going to be making here. So in this case, I'm going to stick with that theme, John. I think Callisto goes over here. I mean, Ryback wasn't really doing anything of note until he stumbled into this feud with Callisto. You know, they, they seem to have high hopes for Callisto, even though there are a litany of problems with him, as you've talked about. The mm -hmm. fact that he doesn't like, cut promos and the fact that he's in a fucking tag team, even though he's a singles champion. So there's, there's issues with Callisto, but setting all that aside, they seem to kind of have high hopes for the guy and, and maybe potentially, you know, some, some plans for him down the road in terms of the singles rank. So I don't think that gets derailed here. I can't imagine the benefit of putting the U.S. title on Ryback at WrestleMania. Uh, nobody likes Ryback, myself included. So I'm going to pick Callisto here, John, to retain the U.S. title. All right. So this is going to be the first match that we disagree on. And I think I'm, I'm going outside the box here and I'm taking the huge underdog in terms of the betting underdog here. And I'm going to go with Ryback. I think, look, I, I think at least in this feud, in this storyline, there really is no direction here. Um, so that's not really going in, in anyone's favor. But, and you, you talked about how we've talked about at length before that this should have been a multi-man match. Um, but like you said, we won't get into that again. Go back and listen to our other episodes if you want to hear about that. But yes, to me, Ben, Callisto's U.S. reign, U.S. title reign has been a failure. Mm. It has been a failure to me because it has not elevated the belt. And to me, it really hasn't elevated Callisto that much because we don't know anything more about him. His character hasn't evolved. He's still one of the Lucha Dragons. That's how you look at uh, the way you look at him now. And until you can look at him as a solo act and his own man, he's never going to be a successful singles star. And look, look, Callisto needs to drop the belt if he's going to continue to be in the Lucha Dragons tag team. And all signs are pointing that he's going to continue to be part of the Lucha Dragons. And I've said you can't have a person in a tag team be a singles champion for many reasons, including TV time. So I think this is a great chance to have him lose the belt. And I think it sets something up here potentially because if Ryback wins, John Cena is returning very shortly. And I think if Ryback wins, I could see Cena coming back and challenging Ryback for the belt and having maybe a mini feud with him moving forward, uh, just because we really don't know where Cena is going to go when he comes back, if he's going to be in the main event picture or if he's going to go back to the U.S. title picture. Um, if he does go back to the U.S. title picture, I think a Cena-Ryback feud would be pretty decent 
Um, and, you know, Callisto versus Cena obviously wouldn't work. So, um, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain. Maybe I'm just hoping for this using my heart more than my head here. But I'm going to go with Ryback. And, um, you know, maybe they can try to repackage Callisto at some point. But um, taking the belt off of him right now would be the best move. Uh, and then you can decide what you want to do with him and Sin Cara in the Lucha Dragons. Fair enough. I hadn't thought about the John Cena angle. Certainly, if he's going to get back in the U.S. title hunt, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to have him go against Callisto. That's that's for damn sure interesting. So we'll see how that one plays out. Yeah, and even even a Ryback Cesaro feud, um, I think, would be a little fresh. I'd be fine with that as well. Sure. But Ben, moving on to the match that should have been a one-on-one match yes. or a triple threat match at most. This is for the Intercontinental Title, except. We have got a seven-man ladder match that makes absolutely no sense and had a one-week storyline to get us to this point. And, of course, it happened at the worst Raw in history, the one we attended. The match consists of Kevin Owens, your current champion, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, The Miz, Stardust, Sin Cara, one half of the Lucha Dragons, and Zack Ryder, the internet champion, the darling of the internet. Uh, wow, Ben. I mean, this is special on a lot of levels. I mean, we could get into a lot of detail here, uh, at least for every single one of these wrestlers and why they, most of them do not belong in this match. But I think everyone can assume that. We don't have to do that here. Look, to me, <clears throat> there are only three people that could possibly win this title it's Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, and Sami Zayn. And right. we talked about last week in, uh, that, you know, they made a huge mistake by putting the Miz, Stardust, Sin Cara, and Zack Ryder in here because we all know they have no chance of winning. Um, so I'm going to break it down to those three. I don't think Dolph Ziggler wins here because he just doesn't really have anything going for him right for him right now. And Ben, I think it's really funny not to get too far off track, but remember when he had that match against Triple H and if he lost, yeah. he wouldn't get a match at WrestleMania? And yeah. now all of a sudden, randomly, he's in an Intercontinental title match? They never explain hey. that. No, well, of course not, because they don't expect us to actually pay attention to details like that. Exactly. Um, so I think that's very funny and interesting. So I don't think Ziggler wins. It, to me, it comes down to Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. And... I'm going to go with Sami Zayn here. I'm going to go with the title change. I love Kevin Owens. He is a fantastic champion. He is fantastic overall. I think he's one of the top two or three performers on the roster right now. He, along with Dean Ambrose, have carried WWE television over the last year. So Kevin Owens deserves a ton of credit. But I think if you go with a Sami Zayn win here... First of all, he's unbelievable as well. So I, I know maybe some of our listeners haven't seen a lot of his work because he's been in NXT for a long time, but he is absolutely fantastic. And if Sami Zayn wins, I think that clearly sets up a Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens one-on-one -on -one feud for the next couple of pay-per-views. And they'll be able to get rid of all these other guys that are in the IC title picture right now and focus in on those two, which is where the money is, Ben. That's the feud that everybody wants to see, including you and me. So 
if you have Zayn win, Owens can demand his rematch, uh, you know, his rematch clause that everyone gets. They could do that at the next pay-per-view, and they could do that for a couple months, and it'll be absolutely amazing. I do think this match will have a ton of amazing spots, because ladder matches always do. Um, so I think it will be entertaining in that sense. Uh, and I, I don't want to be too hard on this match. We, we, you know, we both say that the booking was absolutely horrific, but the match itself could be fun at least to watch at times. Uh, hopefully each guy gets a couple spots and is not left out. But overall for me, I'm going with Sami Zayn. Uh, it could go either way, him or KO, but I'm going to take Zayn here the face because this is the easiest way to set up a one-on-one -on -one match between these two down the line. Yeah, I'm hard to argue with that. I, I won't say too much about this match because we talked at, at length last week also about this and how horrific the booking has been and the fact that you have four and possibly even five guys in this match who have absolutely no chance of winning whatsoever. So that's that's just a horrible booking job by WWE. I'm going to go with Kevin Owens here to retain okay. the IC title in this ladder match. I can certainly see the... Uh, the case to be made for Sami Zayn to come out on top here. I just don't know if he's been on the main roster really, you know, long enough, or has kind of established himself there, or is known well enough That's to anyone point. who doesn't watch NXT to kind of be taken seriously as an Intercontinental Champion uh, in WWE at this point. I think they're going the you know down the road of a Sami Zayn Kevin Owens feud, regardless of which one of those two. And I agree with you; it's one of those two for me winning this match. I think regardless of which one it is, I think they're going down that road. So, you know, whether it's Kevin Owens somehow screwing Sami Zayn or attacking him, you know, after the match or, or whatever the case may be, I think they get to that feud coming out of this match, John. But I'm going to go with Kevin Owens retains and then you build up the feud a little while longer. And maybe when we get to, to May, June, July, maybe even all the way to SummerSlam, depending on how long they want to play this out. Maybe that's when Sami Zayn gets his win in a one-on-one -on -one match um, over Kevin Owens. So I think that might be the move here. I'm going to go with KO to retain the IC belt. Fair enough. And uh, one thing to note really quickly before you move us on. The Intercontinental title has not been successfully defended at WrestleMania since 2001. Yeah. So it's yeah. been 15 years. Um, it would be quite an accomplishment for Kevin Owens to break that streak. Um, we'll see if he does. We'll see if he does. Uh, so now we're on the rematch train here, John. Up next, Chris Jericho versus AJ Styles in their fourth uh, big-time, prime-time match. They had one on Raw, one on SmackDown, one at Fastlane. This is an interesting feud to me. I, I like it in the sense that I'm not sure WWE really had any other plans for AJ Styles. So, you know, keep rather than put him in the Battle Royal, uh, I would have liked to see a Kevin Owens feud, but there, you know, there are reasons we just talked about why apparently that's not going to happen right now. So if you don't have anything better for this guy to do, uh, keeping him in a feud with Jericho isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, to me, there's absolutely zero suspense in this match, which is the one big problem I have with it. I think the match itself might end up being pretty good. I mean, look, yeah. these two guys have, have had great... Great matches so far, and Chris Jericho certainly has proved that he can deliver on a WrestleMania stage. That's for damn sure. So and I think AJ Styles doesn't want to make an impact in his first WrestleMania. So this match, I think, has the potential to be you know in the top three, maybe even top two uh, best matches of the night in terms of in-ring quality. So I'm excited about that. 
But in terms of the finish, uh, there's really no reason to delay this any longer. Uh, AJ Styles goes over here, John. Uh, I think I'm about as sure of that as any other match on this card. There's just no reason for Jericho to go over AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Jericho, um, you know, look, I mean, his job right now, much like the Dudley boys, for the most part, is putting guys over. Yep. And he's he's admitted as much uh, in interviews. So no reason to bet against that here. Uh, I would say bet everything you have that AJ Styles is the winner of this match. Yeah, this is the most predictable outcome of the night, Ben. Uh, it's plain and simple. The most predictable outcome by far to me. Uh, AJ Styles goes over here. He wins the match for all the reasons you said. And to me, this 100% needs to end this feud after this match. This has got to be it. I don't want to see one more interaction between these two uh, starting at Monday Night Raw and, and going forward. I do not want to see that because... To me, this feud has gone on a little too long, and I, I, you know, this is what probably their fourth or fifth match against each other in a very short period of time. And you know, I understand them wanting to go this route for WrestleMania uh, because it seemed like they didn't have many other options. But I think they've already taken this a little too far. So hopefully, this is where it stops. But AJ Styles absolutely 100% must go over here. And I do agree with you. This is going to be a really good match. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how much time they get because we've seen them wrestle so much together now. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, does the WWE give them a lot of time to try to do more things and new things with each other? Or do they not give them a lot of time at all because they know that we've all seen them fight multiple times and they don't want us to get really bored and they don't think they can do anything new? So yeah. that's what I'll be watching for. That'll be a very interesting to me. But yeah, AJ Styles wins here and hopefully this propels him to a bigger and more impactful feud uh, the, the Monday after WrestleMania and down the line because this guy is is over as over can get, and he has got money written all over him, and he is just fantastic in every way. So he needs to be propelled up the WWE ladder as soon as possible. Agreed. Ben, moving on to our women's championship match. It feels Not, good to say that, doesn't it? it oh, man, it, it really does. Not the Divas, the women's championship match. We have Charlotte, the current champion, versus Becky Lynch, the last kicker, and Sasha Banks, the boss. Ben, what are your thoughts on this match, and who do you have winning here? Boy, I'm excited about this match as well, John. I mean, we talk about what we think could be some of the best in-ring work of the night. I know we've been critical, really, of these three divas for not really delivering uh, you know, up to their potential on the main roster so far. I, for one... I'm hoping that that ends here at WrestleMania, John. I'm hoping that this is the match where we finally yeah. see, uh, you know, what we know that Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Becky Lynch are capable of in terms of in-ring work. So I'm kind of holding out hope in that regard that we do get something approaching, you know, a four-star match uh, from these three women. 
at WrestleMania. In terms of who wins, I do think that I'm very confident, John, that we get a title change here. Uh, in fact, I would I would almost guarantee 100% that Charlotte does not win this match. But in terms of who does, I'm a little bit torn. I think my heart certainly goes with the love of my life, Becky Lynch, uh, who's been the plucky underdog babyface for a while now and has played that role, I think, really, really well in WWE in recent months. So a big part of me would love to see her finally get to the top of that mountain, finally come out ahead of her you know, long-running feud with Charlotte. But, John, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think I'm going to use my brain here. I am going to pick Sasha Banks. It seems to me like WWE... Um, you know, they, they, the way they've been promoting her, and it's justifiable given the crowd reactions, I think, that she's been getting. But to me, I think that she is the victor here. If you're going to, I mean, look, if you're going to rename the entire division coming out of WrestleMania, I think you do want a new champion. And as much as I would like it to be Becky Lynch, I just get the feeling it's going to be Sasha Banks. So I will take the boss here as the new women's champion. I agree with every single thing you said. This match is my sleeper match for the show-stealing match of the night. I don't think it will be the best match because it's hard to go against you know, the Brock Lesnar, Dean Ambrose, or Undertaker, right. Shane McMahon. But I think this will steal the show for all of the non-main event matches. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I, th I predict, Ben, that this will be the best Divas or women's match since the Divas Revolution uh, was introduced to us. I believe this will be the best match. I think all three of these women give it all they have. I have a feeling that they're going to talk a lot about this before the match and really um, sort of, you know, communicate with each other and, and bring out the best of all of them and say, you know, how can we get you in this position and you in this position? I think they're going to have an NXT type of match. Um, you know, the NXT women's matches were the best that we've seen, and I think they're going to bring that style to the WrestleMania stage. And so for that, I am extremely excited. Um, th there's been great work, Ben, also by all three of these ladies right. uh, leading up to this match. So I hope that they get a lot of time in the ring. I'd like to see an 18-minute match here, at least 18 to 20 minutes possibly. I think they deserve a ton of time for all of the work they've done. They um, do. But let's be honest here. Sasha Banks needs to win this match. Becky Lynch has been featured a ton. She's had multiple title shots. It was her and Charlotte for a long time. But this is Sasha Banks' time. She is the most talented woman on the roster, in my opinion. You have That's to true. give her the ball and see what she can do with it. See if she can be the face of that division. And let her bring out some of the boss that we saw from NXT. Let her get into her character a little bit more because that's part of the reason that she was absolutely unbelievable down there. It was that that attitude that she had, that that swag, that confidence that made her amazing. And, and that's not popping off the screen to me on the WWE main roster right now. So I think if you put the title on her, then she'll be able to incorporate some of those things because she is the champion and she can say that she's the best because she has the hardware to prove it. Like you said, they're introducing a new title. They're rebranding the division. Uh, Sasha Banks is the woman 
to do all of that, bring back a little swagger to everything. Uh, once again, a face winning, what they love to do at WrestleMania. I think right. they're going to try to make the crowd as happy as possible before uh, the World Heavyweight Championship match. So for all those reasons, I'm going with the boss. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. I mean, like, again, my heart wants to say that I think Becky Lynch should come out on top here, but my head will prevail in this one. We'll both take Sasha Banks. And really John, quick, really quickly, Ben. Yes. I I like Becky Lynch a lot. I know you love her. Bo, big fan of the show. He loves her. I like her a lot, too. But I don't think she has... To me, she doesn't have it to be the number one person in the division. I think she's extremely talented. I think she's great. She's done an unbelievable job. But to me, there's something that isn't there. And I'm not saying that she can't get that. But to me, she doesn't have champion written on her, at least at this time. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on why that is. Um, I do love her. I do think she's great. I'm not trying to put her down. But uh, I think putting the belt on her would probably be the wrong decision at this point. I think you have to ride the train that is Sasha Banks and all the momentum that she has. It's hard to argue that the momentum seems to be on Sasha Banks' side. That, that's, that's for damn sure. And really quick, sorry, one more thing, Ben. They blew it. Because remember I told you they should have had Becky win it at the Royal Rumble. That was her time when everyone was behind her. She was one of the hottest faces in the company, and they blew it. That would have been her chance. And now, Sasha Banks is overshadowing her. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah, I th there was no reason to not have a break uh, in the Charlotte title reign unless she had designs on her breaking Nikki Bella's record, which doesn't look like they do. So there was no reason to not at least, even if you wanted to put it back on Charlotte a month later, I think giving Becky Lynch the win there was probably the right move. Speaking of heart versus head, John, this is the ultimate heart versus head test for me and mm. what I think will probably be the match of the night. Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose in a no-holds-barred street fight at WrestleMania. This, to me, if anything, will salvage this show and hopefully will overshadow what I think could be a potentially disastrous world championship match that we'll talk about here in a minute. This, John, has the potential to be absolutely amazing. Dean Ambrose has a hardcore background, uh, you know, years before even, you know, coming to WWE from his time in Ring of Honor and other independent promotions. He's kind of gone down that, you know, Mick Foley, Terry Funk kind of route, you know, with barbed wire and bats and steel chairs and bleeding all over the place. So he's very familiar with that. We've seen what Brock Lesnar can do in terms of big-time brawl matches with his Hell in a Cell match against The Undertaker and others. Like, he's not afraid to get in there and get bloody as uh, well. Ben, so really, ben, really quickly, is it not 100% guaranteed that Brock Lesnar is going to get busted open within the first two minutes of this match? I think uh, I would put money on probably both of these guys bleeding in this match. Uh, with Lesnar bleeds constantly when it isn't a hardcore match. I can't imagine how he's going to be here. Yeah, and, and to me, that's great because that'll make this match all the better. I expect these two guys to beat the piss out of each other, and I think they almost have to to sell this match. In terms of picking a winner, this one is tough, John, because, look, I love Dean Ambrose so much, and my heart, again, would tell me to absolutely pick him to win, and you can make a logical case why he should win. He's been the bridesmaid for so long. He's come up short in so many big mm -hmm. matches, and mm -hmm. the fans are so into him that you know this might be the time to say, okay, finally, after all of that, we're going to reward you for sticking by this guy. We're going to reward him 
for putting up with almost getting there so many times and finally give him a win over a guy that nobody else has been able to beat for years in WWE. So that makes a lot of sense. But, John, I'm going to go with sort of the, the cynical route here. I'm going to pick Brock Lesnar to win this match, and my reasoning is pretty simple. Um, I, spoiler alert, moving on, but I think Roman Reigns is going to be the world champion coming out of WrestleMania 32, and I think that if you had Dean Ambrose win this match over Brock Lesnar, he's automatically the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm. And so that would set up a scenario in which the fans would demand that Dean Ambrose go over a Roman Reigns in relatively short order, or you would have full-scale riots. So I think WWE, in effort once again to protect Roman Reigns, is going to try and throw some cold water on Dean Ambrose to prevent that sort of you know runaway train from running over Roman Reigns in the weeks after WrestleMania. So you can call me cynical if you like. Uh, I pray to God that I'm wrong because I would love nothing more than to see Dean Ambrose win this match. But I don't think they, I think they're still sticking by this notion of not wanting Ambrose to overshadow Reigns. I think that continues here. I got to take Brock Lesnar, John. I can't fault you for that, Ben. I know that was tough for you. You're, you're a huge Ambrose mark, as am I. So I give you a lot of credit there for, for picking Brock Lesnar. I'm going to go a different route here. And to me, this is the most interesting match because there are so many outcomes that could happen, Ben, and you're, what you were saying is true, the impact that they could have on the World Heavyweight Champion. And massive, who, and massive who walks out, out Exactly, match. and who walks yeah. out of WrestleMania with it, and you know what happens on Raw at, with that champion. I mean, does Dean Ambrose turn heel? Does Roman Reigns turn heel potentially on Monday? If if Roman Reigns wins and turns heel on Monday, then Ambrose winning this match would be absolutely the right move. Absolutely. Right. So this is probably the hardest to pick because there's so many moving parts. It depends on what direction WWE wants to go. But for what we have, to me, the shine has come off a little bit here on Brock Lesnar. And he is still must-see, and he is still awesome. But he just is. there isn't the same aura around Lesnar as there was a year and a half ago. Um, I mean, really, ever since uh, Seth Rollins won the main event at WrestleMania 31, Brock Lesnar hasn't really been a part of many main event feuds. No. When you think about it, and, and he really hasn't been the focus of of challenging someone for the title or being the number one contender. And it's kind of weird when you think about it. The, the guy that's probably the most over on the roster, your main attraction, um, not getting used in that way. It's very interesting. But I think there's been a shift here with Lesnar. We've seen a lot more of him. And I think this would be the time to capitalize on Dean Ambrose and kind of say, all right, you're the guy. You want to be the guy? Let, let's. This is your stamp of approval. You get to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32. Right. I also think I'm siding with Ambrose here because I think there's the potential that there could be some interference against Brock Lesnar. Agreed. I don't know if this is going to be a clean match. Um, I don't see anyone interfering against Ambrose. I could see that against Lesnar. Uh, well, let me ask you really quick, Wolfgang, not to get too far off topic. I'm going with Dean Ambrose, by the way, but 
Do you see anyone getting involved in this match? Do you think it's going to happen? And if yes, do you have a clue of maybe who it would be? I hope not. I mean, I think that that would kind of damage and kind of taint Dean. If, if you're in fact right, which I hope you are, that Dean Ambrose wins this match, I hope it's not because of interference uh, to protect Brock Lesnar. I imagine if it, you know, if it does happen, it's got to be Bray Wyatt. I mean, that's certainly the rumor going around now. He's got nothing else to do in the card whatsoever. Uh, they've put the the Bray Wyatt Brock Lesnar feud on hold uh, for good reason, in my view. But so yeah, I I do fear there will be interference, and I do fear it will come from Bray Wyatt, and I fear that will be the reason. Dean Ambrose wins the match, but I, to me, I hope it's a, I guess it can't really be a clean finish, I guess, in a no-holds-barred street fight, but I hope it's as clean as clean can be in a match like this with no outside interference. Yeah, you know, you made an interesting point that they may, might try to protect Lesnar or protect Ambrose here, but the WWE put themselves in this situation. I, we had talked about this a long time ago, and I said that I wasn't in favor of having these two face each other because they're the two biggest faces pretty much in the company, and you're having them face off against each other, where you're forcing the fans to choose who you want to root for. Right. And so I think, you know, I thought that this was a bad decision, although I know we both agree that this match is going to be awesome. But I think they could have utilized both of them a little bit better for this WrestleMania. And, you know, it it will be very interesting to see if they try to protect one or both of these guys. I mean, can Dean Ambrose look extremely strong in defeat? Yes, he could. Um, Would a defeat for Brock Lesnar crush him? I don't know. Probably not. But I think another thing to address here before we move on is... What is the schedule of Brock Lesnar after WrestleMania? Right, that's the thing. I mean, we're not going to see Brock Lesnar again until July. To me, that makes it more of a case for Ambrose going over. 100%. If Brock Lesnar is going away and the WWE does not have any plans to put Brock Lesnar into main event feuds for the next few months, he absolutely has to lose here. In, in one way or another, you have to have Dean Ambrose get this win and, and ride this tidal wave of momentum that he has right now. Um, so for all of these different reasons and these insights and predictions, I'm going to go with Dean Ambrose here. I think it's the right move at this WrestleMania. I pray to God, John, yes. you were right. Now, Ben, the two matches coming up here. We do not know which one is going to go on last. So we're just going to move right now to The Undertaker versus Shane McMahon, which we talked about a lot earlier in the show discussing our recap of Monday Night Raw. So we both have very strong opinions on this. We've both talked at length about it. I think this is going to be an extremely entertaining match. I think that These two, although it sounds very odd that they're fighting each other, I think this is a great match in terms of styles, or a great fit, excuse me. You have The Undertaker, who's extremely experienced, who's a sort of a a slow worker, but a methodical worker. He's he's very, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing in the ring, and he he has an amazing ring presence, and so if there's anyone that could carry a Hell in the Cell match for the majority of it, it's The Undertaker. So I think pairing Shane McMahon against him while having two baby faces doesn't make any sense. And who are you going to root for? That's extremely hard. 
Um, Shane McMahon being able to do a few amazing spots uh, against a guy who can carry the match, I think that will be a good um, mold. They will mesh very well together in terms of that. But like we had mentioned, the storyline has some holes. Who are we going to root for? I don't fucking know. Uh, I think I'm probably going to root for Shane McMahon because I want I want so badly to see any change in the WWE, and right. that's what he's promising. You know, we we talk about it every week how we just want something to fucking change to just try something new, and hopefully, if Shane wins, that's the route they go down. Uh, so for that reason, I'm rooting for Shane. I think that. There can be a lot of interference in this match. I think 100% Vince McMahon gets involved, and I think he gets involved heavily here. Um, and so whether Shane turns heel or um, you know Shane finds a way to hurt Vince McMahon or maybe The Undertaker choke slams Vince or something, and then Shane is able to roll him up, or maybe The Undertaker almost lets Shane win because right. he doesn't want Vince McMahon to win and, and he hates the way that he's been treated and stuff like that. Um, so I think there's more scenarios where Shane McMahon would come out the winner. Um, so I'm going to take Shane. And I just have a quick f question for you, Ben, before you give me your analysis and your prediction. Um, do you see anyone getting involved in this match? Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah. I think, gets involved uh, this match, I mean, I'm thinking about this for a little while now. To me, I agree with you. Vince McMahon 100% gets involved in this match. I think this is going to be kind of a wild, wild west sort of thing, similar to what we saw with Triple H and Sting right, last year. Right. So I think that in some way, shape, or form, you get to a point where Stone Cold Steve Austin gives Vince McMahon a stunner uh, during this match. I don't know if he necessarily impacts the outcome in terms of trying to side with either Shane or The Undertaker. But to me, if you want, you know, if you're trying to get these big stars involved uh, in these matches, this is a great place for Stone Cold, of course, to get involved, given his history with Vince. So I think that's what I would say. In addition to that, I think you could see any number of things. You could see Vince. You could see Steph. Uh, you know, maybe even you do see Triple H finally decide he needs to intervene here in some way, shape, or form. Maybe I mean there are any number of different people who get involved. I, I would I wouldn't be surprised, John, if a half dozen people got involved right. in this match. To be perfectly honest with you. They just had like legend after legend after legend come out. You never know. Yeah. You never know. All the all the McMahon, Linda McMahon might make a return. God knows it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't put anything past the WWE here. I mean, they they could do absolutely anything. Uh, but th this is certainly one of those matches that you really have no idea who is going to win, and that's those are the matches that I like. Um, they sh they could have done a lot of things better in this feud. Um, we certainly know that, but. This was a hard match to pick, and I'm glad it was because it makes it more interesting for me when I don't know who's going to win. Right. It's just that simple. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Shane here. Uh, who did you have winning, Ben? Oh, I'll make this very quick, John, then we'll move on to the, the, the final match here. I'm taking Shane as well. Okay. Uh, only because, and, and look, I, I do. I, this is tough to pick. It, it's a very unpredictable match. Uh, you know, part of me doesn't think they're going to have The Undertaker lose his second ever WrestleMania match to a guy who hasn't wrestled in eight years. But at the same time, as I think I mentioned earlier, I just can't imagine that you would tease the fans with the, the prospect of change 
when that's exactly what we want. We just put that right in the table in front of us uh, with a guy like Shane, who's as over as a babyface as he is, and then not deliver exactly. at, Re- at WrestleMania. I, I just can't imagine that they would do that. So, John, for that reason, I'm taking Shane McMahon. Yeah, and I think it's very clear. Well, it's not very clear, but I think the WWE is sort of saying Shane McMahon is the face in this situation. Yeah, I, they are. I, yeah, I think if they are making us choose, they're, they're kind of pointing us in their, that direction. And for the next match, we're going to talk about if the guy wins that no one wants to see win, then it's probably better to have Shane win this match. Totally. Speaking of that, so here we go. Oh, uh, baby! Yeah, I mean, look, we're still not sure this is going on last, but even given all of the holes, I, I still think that it should, just because it's the World Heavyweight Championship match. But look, Roman Reigns versus the champion Triple H, WrestleMania 32. I mean, John, there's nothing more I think that you and I can really say about this feud uh, and the build nothing. to it. I mean, we have literally said everything that I can possibly think of uh, in terms of criticizing the way this has been handled and really criticizing Roman Reigns and the handling of him for the past year and a half. So I'll focus just on the match itself and the way that I think they're going to handle it. And listen, I don't really have a hell of a lot to say about that, to be honest with you, because as much as I would like to think that there was some sort of swerve here, a Reigns heel turn uh, makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. Uh, Even a Triple H win creates some interesting scenarios where if you had Shane McMahon in charge of Monday Night Raw, and then Triple H is suddenly out of a job, but he's still the world champion. That's interesting to me. Yes. As well, as you had brought up before. So, look, there are a number of different ways that this can go, but I think, in the end, Roman Reigns goes over. Now, all what I can hope only hold out hope for is that it is with a heel turn of some kind. Would I love to see Dean Ambrose beat Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman decide that now that Brock Lesnar has been defeated, he's no longer the meal ticket that he was before, and Paul Heyman joins up with Roman Reigns and then helps Roman Reigns become a heel world champion, and that sets up babyface Dean Ambrose versus Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns? Hell yes, I would love to see that. Yes. I want to take my money now, yes. WWE. That's all that I can say. So uh, do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. I think Roman Reigns is going to win as a babyface, win clean in the middle of the ring with a spear, and hold up the World Heavyweight Championship to a resounding course of booze. But either way, I think Roman Reigns goes over here, John, and I can just, you know, the only thing I can hold out hope for at this point is that there's some sort of a swerve, some sort of a heel turn on his part. But I think even if there's not, even if they stick, uh, stay the course here on this babyface push, he's going over. I don't see Triple H leaving WrestleMania as the champion. This match is going to be very interesting, of course, for all the reasons that we've documented, but also because of the in-ring action. And how are they going to do this? Is it going to be just a flat-out brawl? Um, which I think that it probably will be. I think which, that's... John, as, as, not to interrupt, but as we've mentioned before in the show as well, they're going to have a tough time with that, especially if it does go on last. And we've already seen the street fight and the hell in a cell match. Yes. There's not, there's not going to be a whole lot of tricks left in the bag for them to use. No, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, but I just think that's the best way they can do it because WWE, whether right or wrong, believes that having Roman Reigns be this brawler is the best thing for him and is going to get the crowd on his side a little bit more. And I'm not saying it's going to work. It won't. But I could see them trying that. So I feel like they're going to have that type of battle. Very physical. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some blood. Even if they fake it. 
Um, you know, I, I could see them doing that as well, just to help Roman Reigns. Right. But I see a brawl here, and you know, it, it's going to be funny, man, because and it, it'll be interesting to see how the performers react in the ring when Triple H is getting rained with um, with fucking cheers, and Roman Reigns is getting rained with booze, and. What will that do to them in the ring? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, w will they kind of play off of that a little bit? I'm not sure. I mean, that's something I'm looking for. You know, a little bit, in a little bit more detail. Something that maybe people aren't talking about. Right. Um, but overall, I don't think Triple H wants to dedicate a lot more time of, of being a main focus week to week on WWE programming. No, I don't either. And when you're the World Heavyweight Champion. You have to. That's part of the gig. Uh, and I don't think that Triple H believes or the WWE believes that having Triple H as the World Heavyweight Champion is what's best for business. And look, the whole point of having Triple H become champion, what we've heard from the beginning until now, was to drop the title to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 32. Right. And they've stayed the course up to this point through hell and high water, and I just don't see them making an audible at the last second. Um, to me, my prediction, Roman Reigns wins the title in an absolute embarrassment when WrestleMania goes off the air with 90,000 people booing the shit out of him and maybe even throwing shit into the ring. Yeah. Um, but here's the deal. If Reigns wins, we all boo him. If that leads to a Roman Reigns heel turn on Monday night, it's all worth it. I would be thrilled. If Roman Reigns comes out and he says, you know what, fuck you to everyone for doubting me, for booing me. I've given my heart and my soul to you guys and this is how you repay me. Um, I would flip out. It would be amazing. I bet you everyone would start cheering him. Oh my God, I was just going to say, the pop that he would get for turning heel would be amazing. Yeah. Which, which, very ironic. Which would be absolutely hilarious. Um, I am praying to God that Triple H wins this match. I think he has a little bit better of a chance to win than a lot of people are giving him credit for. I think they could go in that direction somehow. Uh, I believe Triple H is a 4-1 to one underdog. So if you bet $100, you'd be getting $400 back. Um, I think that's pretty good odds, actually. I think that there's maybe a little bit better of a chance that he does retain. Um, but in the end, unfortunately, I have to go with the history here of the WWE yeah. and th of them not giving a shit and just being completely mute to the fans. Um I'm going with Roman Reigns, unfortunately, to end WrestleMania winning the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, and you know, when, just one last thing here, John. I think we will get kind of a clue, uh, as you said earlier, trying to piece this whole thing together from the Brock Lesnar-Dean Ambrose match. I mean, if you do have Dean Ambrose go over and go over strong, I mean, he'll get a massive babyface reaction. To the point where not even WWE writers are stupid enough to think that they're going to be able to contain that and have Roman Reigns attempt to be a top babyface when everybody hates him right. coming out of WrestleMania. So I think if we get a clue with a big Dean Ambrose win over Brock Lesnar, to me that might signal that something interesting might be coming down the line. If not at WrestleMania, then at least 
the next night on Monday Night Raw because, again, maybe I'm giving them too much credit because we've seen them do stupid shit before on a weekly basis for years now, but that's just not a tenable situation to have Ambrose get that kind of a win and get even more over. Meanwhile, the fans are you know hardening even more toward Roman Reigns as a babyface. So that, that's just an untenable situation to me. So, look, I'll be keeping my eyes out in that Brock Lesnar-Dean Ambrose match, John, for a clue as to what's going to happen in the world title fight. Right, and once again, we will be tweeting during every single match, so we will update our predictions based off of what happens. And uh, you'll see that potentially our predictions could change, like you said, based off of the previous match's results. Um, So we'll see what happens there. And really quickly, Ben, before we move on to last call life advice, uh, what's your prediction for the overall grade for this show? That you're you going to give be, next uh, week. I said at the outset that I'm you know, in an overly optimistic mood, so I'll stick with that. Um, I'm going to go with a B plus. I think that I'm going to come out of this with a B plus to A minus range. Wow. Because I think a lot of these matches could deliver um, in the ring. I think Chris Jericho and AJ Styles will be great. I think the uh, women's triple set will be great. I think Lesnar Ambrose will be great. I think Undertaker versus Shane McMahon could be great in that car crash train wreck kind of way. And then I think Triple H and Roman Reigns could be an all-time most interesting main event in the history of WrestleMania only because of the crowd reaction. So I think everything combined, while there might be a lot of booking that we don't like, uh, I think it's going to be an enjoyable pay-per-view to watch, even if for some of the wrong reasons uh, at times. So yeah, I'm expecting, a, a at worst, a B pay-per-view, John. I'm going to go with a C- minus here. Uh, yeah, man, I just... There's a lot of things going against it, and I, I'm not. I don't want to go soft here at, at the at the last minute because we've been bashing this for a long time. And for sure. me, there's no reason to believe that all of a sudden they're going to pull a very good pay per view out of their ass. Now, look, this is going to be quite the spectacle. Okay, the the entrances are going to be absolutely incredible. I'm I'm looking forward to those probably more, almost more than anything else. They're going to be absolutely amazing. Um, the fluff of WrestleMania is going to be incredible. Uh, and, you know the stage; it, it's all going to be amazing. Uh, probably better than we've ever seen, um, with more you know money and more time being put into the fluff of the show as opposed to the the nuts and bolts. But uh, overall, yeah, I think there's going to be some disappointment. I think there will be a few matches that deliver, but more that don't. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to predict that I'm going to give it a C minus, uh, and then we'll see uh, next week when we give our um, review grades. We'll see how close we were to what we uh, predicted. Mm, that would be a damn shame. I, I I hope that you're wrong on this, my friend. I truly do. I do too. Folks, uh, it is time for the next edition of WWE-themed Last Call Life Advice. Now, this is your first uh, time listening to the GP podcast. You came on at a great time, of course, in WrestleMania season. But Last Call Life Advice is a weekly segment in which John and I, after years of drinking at house parties and bars and clubs and tailgates and virtually anywhere else that we can drink, we've discovered that people often come up to us and trust us to give them advice on a whole host of different topics throughout their lives. Now, we are not qualified uh, in any way by any legal or bar or medical association, psychiatric association, anywhere in the world to be giving this type of advice, but God knows we do it anyway, and so we're going to give it to you here once again on this award-winning podcast. So we're going to keep WWE-themed 
this week, and it ties into something we've been talking about throughout the show, and that is how we are going to be live tweeting and keeping up on social media with a lot of our good friends who also cover the WWE and monitoring fan reaction. That is all well and good, but the last call life advice, John, is to watch WrestleMania with your friends and to actually enjoy the show mm. instead of spending all of your time trolling Twitter mm. and Facebook and Instagram and complaining and doing all of that stuff. Now, again, that's not to say that we will not be on Twitter. We certainly will. We'll be online the entire time keeping track of what's going on. But we'll also be watching the entrances and also watching the matches and also conversing with the people that are in the room with us when we're watching this as opposed to barely looking up at all while keeping your eyes on your smartphone all the time. John, this goes back, I believe, to one of the first Last Call Life Advice segments that you gave back on episode, I don't know, three, four, five, something back then when you told folks uh, you know, to basically enjoy their lives rather than trying to document them or live them digitally. Yes. Uh, and yes. I think that this is a great example of a time when you really should do that. I mean, it's tempting because, you know, social media is going to be a buzz, will be a part of it, everybody's going to be a part of it, but this comes around once a year, and it's the greatest spectacle in professional wrestling for a reason, that's because it's fun to watch, so make sure you actually enjoy watching the show with real live human beings for at least some of the time, John. I couldn't agree more, man, absolutely, and look, you and I are going to be on Twitter pretty consistently, but that's because you and I have a fantastic podcast that we do every week. That's you true. Know, this, is, this is almost a job to us. Um, so we watch the product in a different way and for different reasons than the average fan. So, you know, if you and I weren't doing this podcast and we weren't fans of a podcast that we're asking you to tweet and interact with us, then yeah, I, I totally agree. You should not be tweeting constantly and, and, and trolling it and, and being pissed off, and you shouldn't just enjoy the show. Now, right. you and I are still going to enjoy the show because we're going to alternate who is tweeting. And so when you are tweeting, I'm going to sit back and just soak it all in, and vice versa. And so I think that was fantastic advice, and everyone needs to start doing that a little bit more. And you know, also to add on to that, Ben, everyone's got to stop being so fucking mean on the internet. Agreed. Agreed. Look, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, look, how many mean tweets can you send about Roman Reigns? Look, we bash him on this show every week, and we'll continue to do so. But, look, the, the world can live without that one mean tweet about Roman Reigns that you're thinking about sending during the match. That's for damn sure. Right, and don't, don't send hateful tweets to other people who are tweeting either. Keep it all professional. You know, don't 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 say things that are completely inappropriate to other people uh, for no good reason. Don't be racist or sexist or anything like that. Keep it clean if you disagree with somebody, and have a great time. Just absolutely enjoy the show. Right. You and I certainly will, even if it's not the best WrestleMania of all time. It definitely won't be. You and I are gonna have a great time watching it uh, because this is the Super Bowl. And right. you and I, you know, half of the podcast is about wrestling. So this is our Super Bowl, and this means a lot to us, and we're, we're truly going to enjoy it. And we hope all of you, our listeners, enjoy it as well, and enjoy our commentary on Twitter throughout the show. So, Ben, that about wraps it up. We want to thank everyone once again for being a part of the show. Thank you for tuning in. 
Ben and I had an absolute blast. We are so fired up for WrestleMania and this weekend. We forgot to mention that NXT Dallas, NXT TakeOver Dallas is Friday, tomorrow night. That is going to be fucking incredible. So be sure to watch that. The Hall of Fame ceremony on Saturday night, that's always entertaining. And then, of course, we have WrestleMania on Sunday. If you're a WWE fan, man, this weekend, it cannot get any better than this. This is your Christmas so just enjoy it. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, please tweet us at the GP Podcast. Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know what your predictions are for these matches and if you disagree with ours or agree with them. And you can tweet us why. So, yeah, be sure to look out for this episode on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And share it with all of your friends because this is one hell of an episode. And we know so many of you are going to be watching WrestleMania. This is your pregame. When you're having some drinks before WrestleMania, listen to the Guilty Pleasures podcast. Turn it into a drinking game and enjoy the show. Ben, anything you want to add before we get off the air here? I'll just echo what you said. Enjoy it because, again, it only comes around once a year. And whatever you think about what's led us up to this point, this is going to be fun to watch so enjoy it and we'll uh we'll see you back here next week of course to break down what we loved and probably a lot of what we hated about wrestlemania absolutely we'll be breaking down wrestlemania and the raw afterwards which is usually one of the best raws of the year so make sure to tune into that episode as well everyone have a great week